don't get us wrong, we still love heating with wood. It's just that over time, we're slowly figuring out why it may not be for everyone. Welcome to Longleaf Breeze, subsistence farmers using three simple principles, approaching but never reaching subsistence. It's got to be fun while we're doing it, and we don't make all misstatements. And now, Lee and Amanda Borden. Thanks, Adrian, and welcome to our podcast of January 15th, 2015. We have had to think in the middle of this cold winter about the realities of what it means to heat with wood to have that as your primary source of heating. Um, we found it delightful, really, because it's so comfortable here in our apartment. But, uh, and, and certainly we're glad we chose this route, but we will explore some of the disadvantages as we go along. But let's, first... But first, let's look at what we like about <laughs> it. Well, you know how a heater or your heat pump can quit in the middle of the summer or winter. Well, our wood stove never breaks down. It always works. And I remember those cold mornings in our suburban home where the heat wouldn't come on and it was blowing cold air and you're frustrated, I'm frustrated, and we slowly figure out, okay, there's a fuse blown or something else is wrong with the heat pump. Yeah, we had a lot of problems with that heat pump. We ended up having to call the service people to come and look at it. And on the coldest day of the year, they're getting 10,000 other calls, which means they are not there right away. <laughs> and it's on the coldest day of the year or the first cold morning of the winter when you are most likely to have your heat pump go out, or at least we were. And it seemed like everybody else was too because that's when we had the most trouble getting them to come out. So yeah, that's a big advantage of wood heat. Uh, that thing has never malfunctioned. It does exactly mm -hmm. what it's designed to do. Never fail. <clears throat> that's right. And of course, it just feels so much warmer. It, it's a, it's a, I think we like to say it warms you to the cockles or something. <laughs> it's not drafty. It's not blowing heat. And it's true that when we lived in a gas heated home uh, many years ago, <clears throat> an older home, that was very warming too. But then our gas bills were out of sight in the wintertime. And we've talked before about why this works so well, but very briefly, what happens with a wood stove, you've got this heated box right out in the middle of the room. It has air circulating on all sides. And air hits it, rises, distributes itself around the room, falls, comes back, gets reheated, and circulates again. There's this constant airflow in the room but it's, a, it's an airflow that's so slow and so subtle, there's never any sense of air is moving. All you feel like is the whole room is warm. And so we just love that part of heating with wood. Right. Um, in the long run, it saves money over other forms of heating. Yeah, we paid about what we would have paid for a heat pump to install our wood stove originally. Including and we the cost did not of the install stove. it ourselves. We yeah. had a professional come and install it, cut the hole in the roof, um, installed the flashing and all of the weatherproofing and the uh, firebox, you know, designs just right so that it's not too close to the wall and all those things that professionals are trained to do. Uh, so we spent a good bit of money. It was like I say, about what you'd cost you'd pay for a heat pump. But that's the last money we spent on it. The rest of it's just been gas for the 
chainsaw and splitter and some time on our part and we stay warm as we want to be. Well, do you think in five years' time it's paid for itself? Oh, sure. Good. Well, that's good to know. And we don't have to worry about it going out because we lived for thirty, almost 30 years in our house in Vestavia and we at least went through two heat pumps, I know. I think you're right. I think so, we probably went through two heat pumps. Yeah. And plus we, we had to have an upstairs and a downstairs unit, but that's a whole other story. The point is it's not cheap and when you have to replace it, and then start all over. And actually, we didn't get our money's worth out of the second one because it happened fairly soon before we moved. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, that, the the cost is certainly something that um, <clears throat> can be beneficial, given that we don't have to buy firewood. That we live on property True. that has wood. Yeah, we can harvest <clears throat> firewood from our own property. And part of it is I just like the way it looks, the atmosphere it creates to have a nice warm fire in the fireplace, and um, the aesthetic appeal. We opted for a stove that has a glass front so you can see the fire burning in the stove, and we absolutely are glad we did that. Mm -hmm. We have friends who have wood stoves that work very well, but they don't see the fire. They, the, the fire is behind a, an opaque door, um, and we're glad that ours has glass. Oh, absolutely. That's part of the cheeriness. But there are some disadvantages, which I was beginning to hint at as we got into this. Yeah, and that's really why we decided to do the podcast today, because we're one of them, which we will get to in a moment, is a, a real frustration for us right now with wood heat. And so we thought, okay, let's go ahead and share the, um, the downside of this so everyone understands what you're up against. First, you know, when you're working with a thermostat, with a heat pump or with a, a radiant heating strip, you normally have it set so that it maintains a temperature. You set it at, let's say, 68 degrees, and whenever it dips a, a degree or two below that, it goes on automatically. You don't have to think about the temperature. It just keeps that temperature in a fairly narrow range. Well, our wood stove doesn't work that way. Right. It's it's There's a lot more variation in the temperature. Um, I, I guess a lot has to do with your physical perception, but if it's in the 60s, it feels cold to me, especially in the gray part of wintertime here. That And I should say, we've become a little more spoiled with our wood stove. Uh, That's right. 68 degrees didn't feel that cold to us in our suburban home. 68's a little cool to us here. It's, it's a signal we need to start a fire, isn't it? <laughs> um, when I get up in the morning, and I usually get up before you do, the temperature will be somewhere, on a winter morning, the temperature will be somewhere between 66 and 70. And I will light a fire, and by the time that fire has, has heated the, our home thoroughly, the temperature is going to be up near 80. It'll be, you know, 77, 78, something like that. But it, it'll rise up to approaching 80 degrees. If it gets up to 80, then it feels too warm to me, and I think too warm to you. Well, then we, we layer, we dress in layers anyway, and we take off a layer of clothing. But, um, you know, because if it's 80 and it's a day like this, it's overcast, you know that later on in the day, Especially if it's cold outside, too, I should add. But and our fire will go out. We'll yes, let it go out yeah. in the morning. It's going to get cooler in here, so it's not going to stay 80 very long. And I like to get it up in the morning so that it can have a place to, 
to go down to a comfortable level without feeling stone cold. Yes. You know, so. So we've learned to adjust to that. It doesn't bother us to have that variation in the temperature. In fact, it becomes a sort of a welcome part of our daily rhythm, that it's cool at night. It helps us sleep well. We warm it up in the morning. Then uh, it it will normally stay warm on a sunny day because we have passive solar here and uh, the, the house stays fairly warm on a winter day. But on a, an overcast day, it will slowly cool down during the day. We fire the, the fire back up in the evening and it gets up warm again. And then it will go, the temperature will go down during the night. So that's that rhythm that um, some people might find unwelcome we actually welcome. We like the way that it feels cool some days, right. uh, sometimes, and warm others. Well, I think a lot of people prefer sleeping in a colder room, so I think that's that's certainly not anything unusual. That and keep in mind, when we say cold, we're talking about mid-60s. I mean, it's it doesn't really not ever cold, get right? below mid-60s here, no matter what. It was probably so. colder than that in our bedroom when we lived in Vestavia, that we had a cathedral ceiling. And which was very fashionable, and it looked nice. But boy, that room stayed cold at night. So I think you're right. I think I'm just as warm here. Um, we do have a little more mess to clean up because you you get ashes. Luckily, we have a, a tile floor underneath the immediately underneath the wood stove, and then there's of course wooden floor all over the rest of the place surrounding it. So it can be easily swept up. Um, and, and you have ashes that you sweep into a, an ash drawer, and I have to, to empty that ash drawer probably every, you know, in the height of the wintertime where we are right now, I would say I'm, I'm emptying the ash drawer every four or five days. Mm-hmm. But that's not terrible. We used to have to clean out our fireplace when we lived right. in Vestavia. And, and then, then right outside the door, we have our pallet of firewood, and normally that's going to, you know, around the area around that firewood pallet is going to have some bark chips and wood dust and that sort of thing just lying hither, here and there. And I have to blow that off if, to get it cleaned up every yeah. now and then. But again, that's, that's cer- certainly something we can live with. Um, you know, one thing, when you walk, walk into a house that has a heat pump, you just click a switch and... Um, or sometimes you don't even have to click a switch. It's on sometimes a you have a thermostat that's set to to warm up the mm-hmm. place automatically in anticipation of your coming back home. We had one of those in our suburban home when we left. Uh, but but here you got to think ahead. It takes about 45 minutes for it to really warm up to a comfortable level. You you start the fire and you still keep your sweaters and everything on because it's going to just gradually get warmer, but it's not immediate. So if we're out uh, for the evening on a winter night and we return, let's say at 9 or 9.30 or 10 o'clock, and it's cold in here when we get here, that the place hasn't warmed up. There's been no thermostat to warm it up. You can't light the fire by remote control. So you just have to start the fire when you get here and wait that 45 minutes or so for things to warm up. Um, it does take more work as far as starting the fire, as you mentioned, cleaning it out, cleaning out the firebox. But we do get into a rhythm of doing that. So. Yeah, I welcome that little morning routine now of starting the fire. It just feels right. Uh, we often, we almost always start a fire in the morning during the winter time, and we more often than not, we'll have another fire in the evening. Right. 
and and probably what we you were mentioning earlier what led us to do the podcast on this topic right now is that we are paying the price for the fact that we didn't plan ahead quite enough that is you have to plan way ahead on and, fire and yeah wood. that's really where we fell down on the job and and by we i mean lee fell down on the job by failing to cut split and stack firewood far enough ahead for it to season thoroughly. Which needs to be how far ahead, would you say? At least a year, probably a little more than a year. I'm going to talk in a moment about what we do that allows us to cut, split, and stack and burn within a year. But for most people, it's going to be more than a year. The wood, Because the wood simply does not catch up well in a in a fireplace or a wood stove if it's not seasoned properly. And, and he, here's where I messed up. Uh, I arrived, we arrived at the beginning of August of 2014, and we had two pallets of firewood. We normally go through about six in a in season. In a winter. Mm-hmm. So here we are, um, I, and I got busy in August. August was basically all about cutting, splitting, and stacking. So by the end of August, we had all 12 pallets loaded, but they were cut, split, and stacked in August of 2014, and here we are in January of 2015 trying to burn that wood. That was not enough time for the wood to season. And right now we're struggling with that because I'm having more difficulty getting a fire started in the morning because the wood I'm using has not been well seasoned. So now we're thinking... With about two empty pallets, we'll go out now and start gathering some exactly. more wood. Exactly. We need to be. We need to stay ahead of the game so that we keep those pallets uh, full of firewood ready, so that it can be seasoning, and that we can use it. Uh, and by the time we use it, it'll be fully seasoned. And we've talked a good bit about the disadvantages, but I want to come back before we talk about some more specifics of how to manage all this, uh, just to say that, the, the, to me, the advantages far outweigh the disadvantages. Part of the reason we got into this and part of the reason we do these podcasts is to communicate our mission and a sense of living as subsistence farmers. And part of subsistence living is to be able to uh, have a sustainable way of providing heat for yourself in the wintertime. Like you said, we, we don't have a problem with a heat pump that breaks down this is going to keep working. We've got plenty of wood on the property. As long as our equipment for wood removal continues to work, we mm-hmm. are dependent on the chainsaw, the splitter, unless we want to get out there with an axe, which I hope we don't ever have to do. Well, you know, if worse came to worse, we or some young Turk we work with or live with could get out there with a crosscut saw and a maul and produce the firewood we need. But it would take a great deal more time and work. Right. To do it that and, way. And as we get older, that's that's less likely. And and the other thing is that we, this, at least in this particular, our little apartment down here, we're not as dependent on the power company. So if we start having the grid go down, this is one way we can stay warm in the wintertime. It would be a survival tool. Exactly. And also a way of to minimize what we have to pay in terms of money. Right, right. So, yes, I, I agree. We're thoroughly committed to it. We're glad we did this. Uh, we're just aware of some of these things that we thought we'd pass along to you. And and let's finish just by talking a little bit about proper management of firewood. 
for the kind of burning we do. We have a relatively recent technology wood stove. It burns really well. It, um, it burns efficiently. It reburns the the gases, and so as a result, you know, if you start a fresh fire, you'll have a little smoke coming out of the chimney for about ten or twelve minutes, and within fifteen minutes, there is no visible smoke coming out of the chimney because it's burning so cleanly. It can be any kind of wood, right? We can put pine in there. We can put. Yeah, we don't have any constraint on what kind of wood we burn. I'm not sure we'd want to burn all pine just because it burns so much faster. But that's not a problem for us because this farm was logged for pines before we bought it. So they're, in proportion to hardwoods, we really do have fewer pine trees. Yeah, so it's it's not been an issue for us. We can burn If it's wood, we can burn it uh, as long as it's properly seasoned. Um, we've talked before about using pallets. What the pallets do for us is they allow us to load up a pallet, which holds a quarter of a cord. And when I talk about a cord, I'm talking about a real honest-to-goodness cord. They will hold a quarter of a cord, and then I can pick that pallet, that quarter of a cord of firewood, I can pick that up with my tractor and move it as many times as I want relatively easily. We don't have to restack wood. Of course, you just mentioned one more technological implement we have to have to do that and that's the tractor we have to have the tractor to manage pallets absolutely if we didn't have the tractor then we would be restacking by hand because there's no way you could move one of those pallets without right. a lot of horses very heavy um we when and this is what i was leading up to about how we think we're able to burn wood more quickly sooner than most people because the pallets allow us to take a pallet of freshly cut, split, and stacked firewood, put it out in the sun so where it can dry out as fast as possible, then move it back under cover where it's out of the sun and out of the elements and, and it gets really, really dry. So we can burn a little faster than most people because we can take advantage of that arbitrage. Right. We can let it dry out when it's exposed to the sun, and then when it's time for it to be protected from the rain and protect, and in the process we'll get it out of the sun, we can move it under cover and let it get bone dry. Right. So well, that's, that's an important advantage to us of using the pallets. We have to have fairly small pieces of wood to put in this wood stove, and that's something we learned over time. Yeah, they have to be short just to fit in the box, and we have opted to make them thin as well. When we first started cutting the firewood, uh, the fellow who sold us the stove said, you'll want to have some bigger pieces that will burn all night. We've never needed to burn all night. If we did, we could mix in some bigger pieces, but just because of what we've already talked about, it stays warm enough in here. We don't need to. So everything we cut, split, and stack, we, we split down to a fairly thin dimension just because it helps us to manage the fire. You know, if we want to build a really small fire, we can. Um, right. And that's because we do it so small. And then finally, I talk about how we get our fire started, because that's what I thought would be the most frustrating part of it all. And it was in our suburban home. I remember uh, before we got the gas log lighter. Well, we had a gas log lighter. I was going to say that that is what I always cheated and used. Of course. <laughs> uh, but, you know, I'm, I'm a Boy Scout. I was an Eagle Scout. I know how to start a fire. You start with 
uh, tender paper or straw or something like that, and then you put kindling, little small pieces on top of that, and then you put the logs on top of the kindling, and you slowly build a fire. Well, we could do that to build a fire, but with properly seasoned small pieces of wood, we've never had to do that in our wood stove. All we use are starter sticks and our logs. Which we buy the starter sticks at Walmart or someplace like or, that. Or wherever. <clears throat> and um, so it's just easy, easy for us to start a fire with you know a couple of strategically positioned pieces and a starter stick. Actually, half a starter stick. And half think? a starter stick. That's right. Um, and I'll try to link to that video where we talked about how, to, how we start a, a fire in the wood stove. But it, it, until I started working with unseasoned wood in the last few days, um, it's never, it, it never misses. We always get it started without any difficulty. Good. And given the, uh, the cold snap, we're having a little, not as bad as last week, but a little mini cold snap in the next couple of days. I think this is a timely topic, and I'm very happy to hear that um, we're dealing with our firewood situation so that we can continue to enjoy nice warm fires throughout the winter. We hope that you and yours are staying warm this January day, and we look forward to catching up with you next week. Take care. You've been listening to Longleaf Breeze with Lee and Amanda Borden. You can call the farm at 334-625-8682. Send email to letters at longleafbreeze.com. Our address is P.O. Box 780-446, Tallahassee, Alabama, 36078. Visit us at longleafbreeze.com to learn more about the farm, to browse our archive, and to look over our planting database. You can also read the daily farm log and check in with Lee and Amanda. That's longleafbreeze.com.